Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music, music teachers. You're listening to episode 93 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this week I'm sharing my review process and how I get ready for a new studio year. Hey there, beautiful teachers. Welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back with you again this week. This time of year is when I start to look forward to next year. Or no, not when I start, but when I really begin to put everything into place for next year, actually. So March, around March is when I start thinking about next year and budgeting and calendars and all of that stuff. And I really start to put it into gear in April, right about around now, usually around my Easter break from teaching, so that I can get everything ready for the next year. And I thought that it would be fun to share this process with you, as maybe it's something you already go through yourself and I can give you some ideas about changes you might like to make. Or, I mean, maybe it's something you've never thought about doing and you just go through, especially if you don't have a big summer break. I find that teachers who teach pretty much year round or with more spread out break shorter breaks tend to just keep things going until they think about making a change and it's nice to have that defined split whether it's in January for you or whether it's in June, July, August that kind of time like it is over here. So April is when I start to put this into place and it's when I want to prepare my calendar and my new forms the new policies and the fee list so that in May, towards the end of May, I can send this all out to parents so that they can return the enrollment forms for the new year with everything in mind, you know, having looked through all the new information, can return the enrollment forms with the registration fee by the middle of July. So I have them do that so that in August I can schedule everyone and sort everything out. And it's good to have that buffer in there. And it's good to give parents a few weeks to return these things because they might need to make some decisions. They might need to also look into what's happening next year in the school in terms of scheduling, you know. They won't always have a definite answer on that, but if they have a bit of time, they can usually check into, okay, well, hockey, you know, she's moving up from fourth to fifth class and that means hockey's probably going to change to Wednesday. That's what it's been in her school. So we'll put in that we're not free on Wednesday anymore. Something like that, right? That kind of stuff comes up. And it's good to give them a bit of time for that. So now is when I need to start putting that in place so that I can give them plenty of notice. And before I 
do give them that notice before I give it to parents, I can check it and check it and check it to make absolutely sure that it's right, that there's no typos or any basic stuff like that, but also that I'm happy with it, that it's a good balance, you know? It's nice to let things sit for a while to make sure they're just right. You'll see things with fresh eyes if you put something aside for a few weeks and then come back to it. So that's how I like to work through things. And as I'm developing those calendars and fees and stuff, and it might not be just changes with the calendar and fees, I'm thinking about changes in general within my studio that I might want to make for the next year and making sure everything is running the way I want. Because it's my business, it's your business, and you get to decide how it's run. And if something doesn't sit right, for whatever reason, you can come up with a solution to fix it. And I think we should be doing that every year, so that each year as you go into our new year in the studio, even if it's only after a short break, we're thinking, okay, great, I think this setup is going to be great. And sometimes we'll be wrong, and then the next year we'll fix it again. But it's good to have that clean line where you're thinking, okay, This is how I want my studio to run. This is how I would design it at this stage of my life and moving forward from there. So as I go through the year in general, all the way through from September, I will have been thinking about things that are not really working, basically. What's working, what's not, just as a general musing throughout the year. I'm sure there's plenty of things that have occurred to you throughout the year. You can keep a list of them for me. It's actually just something I do mentally most of the time because it's if something keeps coming up that you really want to make a change and you have that strong gut feeling as you start to go through this kind of process every year that, okay, next year we're going to change that. And actually that could be seen as dwelling on it, like, oh, you know, I wish I could change it. But it feels better because I'm not dwelling on it. I'm just saying, oh yeah, that's not quite right. I should have designed that differently. No point beating yourself up about it. You just say, well, I'm going to change it next year. So I'm only going to have to go through this this many more times. And if it's something that happens every day, you might have to fix it instantly if it's that particular kind of instance. But most of these things are occasional occurrences. But actually, you can live with with them for a year. It's when you think about it being your entire career of piano teaching that you'll really get down about it. So as I go through the year, I'm thinking just with my gut feelings about what's working and what's not working and might need to be changed. And this all kind of settled together around March, April kind of time. That's when I started thinking about, well, these are the real changes that I want to make based on how this year has been going. After I do that gut check and make those kind of changes, start thinking about them, I do go through more methodically and check all my policies, check everything over and rethinking anything that needs to be rethought. But the main thing is those big aspects, or it can be small things that have occurred to me during the year that really I need to change. So as I prepare for 2020, I know it's already 2020, but the academic year 2020 to 21, it was terrifying to write that down. It's always scary to write the new year on the file name, I find. To write it down, it's like, oh yeah, it's really going to be 2021. Anyway, as I prepare for that new academic year, I thought I would share with you what I am going to change. Maybe you'll get some inspiration for yourself. Maybe it'll just give you a better idea of what this process might be like if you've never done it before. And maybe you'll go exactly the opposite direction from me and do something the old way that I used to do it because that would be a better fit for you, right? So here goes. There's two big changes I'm going to make for this year. 
and then there's a couple of small ones. So I'm going to share the two big ones first. With the little caveat before I do that, that you, if you're at the beginning of your teaching in particular, or things just really aren't going well, you might have to make lots of big changes, and that's absolutely fine. I'm just sharing the two that I'm making that are big, because my studio runs pretty much the way I want it to at this stage, but I still need to be tweaking and changing things. Everyone does. And so there's two big changes I'm going to make. And for both of these, and for changes in general, I will be following pretty much the process which I outlined in one of the most popular posts on the site. It's at colorfulkeys.ie slash change, predictably enough. And it describes how to make any change, whether that's fee changes, whether it's moving to no makeups, whatever you want to change for yourself. This outlines exactly how I do that, basically, how I communicate it with parents. So if you want to check that out, colorfulkeys.ie slash change. But without further ado, what are these changes? Well, the first one is about the lesson formats in my studio. I'm not doing away with buddy lessons or anything that dramatic. I'm not actually changing the formats all that much. But what I am doing is reducing them a bit. I have a lot of options in my studio, and that actually works pretty well. But as I go forward, more get added. (laughs) And I'm fine with having a lot of options. But I do try to simplify them each year as much as I can, within reason. And so for next year, because of the way we've been expanding, oh, let me back up a step. One of the reasons it has been expanding even more in terms of the formats and therefore the fee options is because I've added other teachers. So the last couple of years, I've had two other teachers working in my studio and they teach at-home lessons. And eventually we will expand so that they're teaching at the studio as well and sharing buddy lessons with me. So I do have to keep it as tight and simple as is possible with all those different parameters of what we offer, which is buddy lessons, solo lessons, mini musicians groups, and at-home lessons, which obviously have to be at a different rate to account for the travel costs. So this year, what I am reducing is the buddy lesson options. I'm going to be removing the 50-minute option. So there's only going to be a 60-minute buddy lesson option in my fee structure and that means that the students will come for 30 minutes one-on-one with me and 30 minutes alone. So the 50-minute option was only 20 minutes one-on-one with me and 30 minutes overlap with the other student there as well. And that does work. The 50-minute option does work but it's not ideal and I think that in some cases it holds students back maybe a little bit of the progress that they could be making. And in some cases, it's fine, but it's very, very difficult to judge which students are going to work well in the 50 minutes and which are not, because it's not age. It's the speed at which they can pick up an instruction and do it. I'm not even talking about the speed at which they learn new concepts or figure out skills. It's literally the instruction processing time and that I found that really becomes a problem when you have a 50-minute lesson with a student who just needs a second to think through what you said. And you can't be impatient with them, right? They need a minute. That's fine. They should be allowed to have that time. But while that's a good reason why they need 60 minutes, it's not the easiest transition to make them with parents that they need that longer lesson. And with that 50 minutes on the calendar or on the fee list, A lot of parents are going to say, well, we'll just start with 50 and then we'll move up. And I just want to remove the option. 
I just want to encourage them to start with 60. With the idea in mind that if a parent says to me, I said, we just can't afford it, it's just not going to happen, I'll work out a scholarship for them. It's not really about maximizing that revenue to me. And if a student is really, really, really keen and really wants to join the studio, the family is a great fit. We are going to work together on that in some cases. So I don't want to cut out students' families on a lower income. And that's been my hesitation. But when I really thought through this change, I figured out, no, what's actually happening is the families who are less committed to lessons in my studio and my particular way of teaching, those are the ones who opt for 50 minutes. The other ones trust me when I say 60 minutes is best, and they go with that and they make the budget work. It's not that richer families are opting opting for 60 minutes and are okay with that fee, and the students on a lower income, the parents on a lower income are going for 50 minutes because they just can't afford 60 minutes. That's not what's actually going on. And I'm being overly sensitive, (laughs) you know, to economics, I guess. So I've decided to remove that 50 minute option and, of course, have that discussion if I need to with particular families. It just makes things simpler. And it means that I have one format that I say, this is the ideal format for any child, pretty much. This is what you should go with. And students who get started in 60 minutes, buddy lessons do the best. That's the truth. They do. So that's what we're going to go with. So I'm cutting that out. The other thing I'm changing about the fees or the actual fee sheet, right, the place where I write all the fees, is that I'm putting a little asterisk next to the 30-minute solo lessons to say that they're only for adult students. And that might sound totally backwards to you. A lot of sort of the standard way of doing things is to encourage longer lessons for adult students and shorter lessons for kids that seems to have become the norm, is that if a, if you're starting as a kid, it's 30. If you're starting as an adult, it's 45. And so therefore, a lot of singing lessons, for example, are just 45 minutes as standard, but piano and violin and stuff are 30 minutes because, I mean, some, of course, voice teachers do teach younger singers, but in general, 45 minutes become the standard because of adult students, I think. Anyway, that's a bit of a side note. But my point is, why? That's always my point, right? That's always what I say to things like this. Why? Why, why, why? Why is it 45 minutes for adults as standard and 30 minutes for kids as standard? Is that right? And I've come to believe it's not. It's the opposite of what works. I need at least 45 minutes with a child. I cannot teach them in 30 minutes. It's too short. I can teach them. But I won't be able to get to everything I want to get to. And the reason why it's more important for a child is I have to expose them to all different types of music and every layer that they could explore. I feel that's my responsibility because otherwise I'm closing them off from a whole area that later in life they might want to get into and they can get into it later but it would be better if they had the foundation in place. Whereas an adult student tends to come to me or at least there's the possibility of them coming to me with a more specific goal. For instance, some of our recent adult students that we've added, actually, what they really want to learn is how to play from a lead sheet. And they're not that interested in much else. They already did a bit of music reading as a child. They play in a band. They never learned to play with chords. And they just want to learn that. And you can do a pretty good focused 30 minute a week lesson on that. You could explore more in 45 minutes and that's fine. But you can do that. 
Another situation where an adult student only really needs 30 minutes is actually the biggest benefit for certain students from lessons, certain adults, is that weekly check-in and the steadiness of it. And 30 minutes can achieve that. Checking in with their pieces, looking at different things within it, helping them with practice strategies. I can do that in 30 minutes, right? And some adults, that's really all they need. They don't want to go at a breakneck pace. They don't want you to expose them to all of music theory ever. They just want to keep learning pieces for their own enjoyment. And they want to stay on a steady track with that. And 30 minutes can achieve that. So that's why I've decided to put in that little star to say only for adult students. And of course, if there's a particular case, if a student has a learning difference that makes it tricky to have a 45 minute lesson or something like that, that kind of instance, fine. We can put them at that adult student rate at 30 minutes, fine. But I don't want it there as an option that parents think is a budget option. It's really the same reason as the 50 minute thing, right? I don't want the students, the parents who are not invested in my studio because I get some fantastic inquiries already, plenty of fantastic inquiries too many to fit, from parents who really, I'm what they want, which is an amazing thing, and I'm so privileged to have that, that they come and inquire on my website because they want this fun approach. And the best way for me to deliver that is the buddy lessons. It's not the 30-minute solo lesson. So either they're going to come to me and expect that, and they can't actually get it within that 30-minute lesson slot that they've chosen or insisted on, Or they're choosing that because actually they don't care about the way that I teach. They just wanted a basic piano teacher. And then they're not a good fit for my studio. It's just not going to be the greatest for them and their child, right? I want people who really want me. That sounds a bit egotistical, but there we go. That's that's how we stand. So those are the two changes I've made in the fees. The other change is a bit more convoluted, so I'll explain it briefly. This is about mini musicians. And what I've decided to do is restructure some things in terms of the timetable that mean that many musicians are either going to be on Mondays or Saturday. And the reason I've done that is so that I can take bank holiday Mondays off. I can. I could have done that another way, but this is the way I've chosen to take bank holiday Mondays off. Because, you know, it's worked fine to work through them. And I don't honestly really mind it. But Students do miss a bit more, and I think it would be better to keep that day for groups, which I'll talk more about in a second, including many musicians. So many musicians go on Mondays and Saturdays, and I'll take the bank holiday weekends off many musicians, which means those fees, the number of weeks in the year for many musicians will reduce, and therefore the fees will reduce as well. So that's just another little tweak there to the fees. Mostly, that's just about making the fee sheet as simple as I can reducing the options as much as possible. The other change, which I've alluded to a little bit there, is in terms of my lessons group workshops. What I mean by workshops is classes that students come to occasionally in addition to their regular lesson. So students are in buddy lessons or solo lessons or whatever, but they also come to group workshops occasionally. And the past few years I've done these. I love doing them. They're great. I think they're a really good opportunity for kids to come together, play ensemble music, improvise together, all that stuff. I don't want to cut them from my studio. 
The past few years, I have done them four times a year on Sundays. And people often look at me like I'm mad for doing that when they realize that I work Monday to Saturday normally. So Sunday is my only day off. And I've been doing group workshops four times a year, though, right? It's four times. It's not much. However, my studio has expanded. As I've mentioned, I've taken on two other teachers. And so I really didn't mind, and I honestly wouldn't mind going forward if four times a year on a Sunday I had one or two group workshops. But we're up to three now to fit everyone in. So I have to run three workshops. Now I leave breaks between them. I don't do anything silly. But still, three workshops, basically the same thing three times with different kids, is a lot. It's too much. I can do it, but I never want to be at the stage with my teaching where I'm getting through something. You know, even if I'm still providing a good experience for students, I don't want to be feeling like that about teaching, even for four Sundays out of the year. I don't think that's a good place to be in, and I believe in leading you guys by example. I otherwise have an excellent work-life balance. People don't believe me because of all I do, but I honestly do. I feel very balanced. I feel like I have loads of time for myself as well as my work, but not on those four weeks a year. And basically what hit me with this, so it's been the past two years basically that I've done this extension of three group workshops on those days. And it started to dawn on me, this is where the gut feelings come in, It started to dawn on me that, yes, I was tired after the group workshops. That's one thing. I was very tired on the Sunday evening. Fine. Relax. Chill out. Don't do much for the rest of the Sunday. But here's the real problem, the real kicker. I was in a bad mood for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, at least of that week, consistently. Every time I did those three group workshops, I'd wake up on Monday and I'd just be a bit annoyed at everything. I mean, I'm never exactly one to snap, but I just feel a bit off. I wouldn't be super enthusiastic about any of the work I was doing during that day. Maybe have a little bit of a headache, but more than that, it was just about my attitude. I didn't feel great or excited about anything I was doing. And that would sort of carry over to Tuesday, normally Wednesday, and then by Thursday I'd kind of recover. And then, you know, when I got my Sunday off the next weekend I'd fully recover and be back to normal the next week but that's basically a week where you're not feeling great and I'd even feel like I was getting a little bit of a cold but I wouldn't get a cold right that's your body telling you you are run down this is wrong this is not good and so I've experimented with changing things up I didn't just leave it for another year knowing that right but it's been something that's built up that I've realized no this is consistently a problem even though I went down to 60-minute group workshops this year instead of 90 minutes. So still, though, three hours of group workshops, three 60-minute group workshops, because it's the same thing in each one, and because it's on, you know, my day off, it just leaves that bad feeling in my brain, basically, and I've decided that's not good enough. So here's what I'm going to do. Next year, we're moving the group workshop slot to Monday and Saturday. That's why I was mentioning the group workshops when I was talking about the Monday bank holidays thing. So Monday is only going to be mini musicians and one of these group workshops. And I'll also have an extra slot on Saturday because I have room for that. That's fine. 
That means I always have Sundays off, except for the one Sunday out of the year that we do a concert. Always off from teaching. And it also means I'm going to increase the number of group workshops. It sounds crazy when I'm trying to reduce the stress of something, but actually making them regularly scheduled in every week and putting them in my normal schedule is going to improve this a lot. I just feel like it's going to be much better to be something I'm expecting every week. At the same time, we're going to designate them for particular age groups. So each one that I do will be for a different age group, and anyone from that age group will be welcome to attend, and it'll be sign up on a first-come, first-served basis. But I know how the ages break down in my studio and the way the normal percentage of attendance, and therefore pretty much everyone who wants to come to a particular one, will be able to come. By splitting it up in that way and having the two slots, we'll also be able to alternate, you know, sometimes if you're seven, sometimes your slot will be on a Monday, and sometimes a few weeks later it'll be on a Saturday. And so if one of those two options suits you, you'll be able to attend quite a few out of the year, right? So that's the idea. It's a little bit confusing to explain. I hope it made sense to you in terms of what I'm doing. But more than that, I hope the problem made sense to you. Because that might be true for you about something completely different. Completely different area of your business. But it just leaves you feeling a bit blah. Bit unmotivated. Bit of a headache. Something wrong in some way. Your body does tell you these things. And you have to listen to it. So, I'm listening to mine. believe that I'm pretty good at doing that. And I like to follow through with looking after myself. Because I think... All teachers should look after you themselves because you're important to your students, right? Beyond anything else, beyond just your own health, you're important to other people. So I'm going to make that change this year. The other smaller changes I'm making, I'm going back to the January recital. Last year we did a Christmas one. My aim is to do that every few years so that students build up some Christmas repertoire, but it doesn't take over the entire of basically... October, November, and half of December every single year, that they build up a bank of Christmas pieces, they can play those for a few years at the same level, that's fine, and explore them, and, you know, play them in the last week before Christmas, and play them for family parties, but they don't have to do a concert with those every year. So, we'll be back to our January concert. I'm planning a really fun one, I'm not going to give away that secret, though, yet. That's uh, going to be super fun, though, I think parents are going to love it. Kids are going to love it, and it's going to be something really different. So that's in January. Group lessons the week of the recital. I actually made that change last year. So instead of regular lessons, they have group workshops on their regular day for the week of the recital. That works really well because this is our spring recital I'm talking about, and that one's on a Saturday, and I teach on a Saturday. And so I, you know, it works fine to reschedule those. And obviously, parents are very understanding because there's a recital on. But I think it'd be more beneficial for them to be in groups anyway, in order to practice performing that little bit more. We do that at our group workshop several weeks before the recital, but it'll be great to get that extra practice in and really focus in on performance for that whole week, because that's what we're doing anyway. And it'll be done more efficiently, and it'll be more enriching for the students if they're in groups for that. So they're just going to come on their regular day to a group instead of solo or buddy lessons that's already happening this year that we're just keeping that for next year and then of course i'm increasing the fees i do that every year so that they don't stay exactly the same people often ask about how much to increase 
I don't like to give a euro or dollar amount because I don't think that's sustainable or just a good way of thinking about things. I prefer to go on percentages. So I will always raise at least 3% to stay above the cost of living increases, which are 1% to 2% most of the time. And then, so 3 to 5%. This year I'm going up a little bit less than normal actually, so it's more around 4 it's often around 5%. So we're going up that little bit and at the same time also increasing the availability of group workshops so they're getting a lot more for that same money, but that doesn't have to be the case. No matter what you're doing, please increase your fees every year. Just a little, just a little, okay? It doesn't have to be huge. But if you do it a little every year, you're not going to fall behind the market and fall behind what you need to be making and have to like double them, you know, to catch up. And really you can't do that, so then you end up not catching up. You know, you try to do a little year, year after year, but it's very hard to run that race. So if you haven't done them in a while, maybe do the big jump. But then don't let that happen again. Go up a little bit every year. Oh, this has been a longer episode, more like a normal podcast length, right? Instead of the normal VMT podcast length. But I hope that you found it useful, this chat through the review of 2019 to 20 in my studio and what we're doing for 20 to 21. I'd love to hear what changes you're going to make. Let me know about it. You can write to me in the comments on this episode, show notes if you're on the page. Or you can write to me in our Facebook group, Vibrant Music Studio Teachers, or the members group, VMT Clubhouse. Tell me about the changes you're going to make, whether you go through a review process like this, and whether something I said made you balk, or maybe inspired you to take some action yourself. And while you're sharing, please do share your stories about lessons you've learned in the last year. We need them for our 100th podcast special. You can go to colourfulkeys.ie slash 100 and leave a voice memo there or just record one on your phone and email it through to us. We'd be delighted to hear from you and hear about your lessons learned over the past year, no matter where you learned them, that helped you improve your teaching or your business or just see something in a new light. That's it for this week. I'll chat to you again next week on the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. See you then. If you want a structured way to go through your business with a fine-tooth comb and make sure everything is in order, you should check out the Studio Business Reboot course. This is inside the Vibrant Music Teaching Library. Just go to vmt.ninja to sign up if you're not a member, or if you're a member already, go to the video library and select courses to find it there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.